Hi, everybody. I'm George, and this is the best little horror house in Philly, the show where we talk about the best horror movie ever made, according to our guest, at least. And today's guest is a comedian you might have seen on College Humor and a presiding member of the Stephen King Rules Club. Andrew Stanton is here. Welcome, Andrew. (laughs) Hey, George. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. My pleasure. I had that written before I saw your shirt, which does apply. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your history with horror, how you got into it. In, in a lot of ways, you know, the uh, the film we're going to talk about today is uh, was uh, re- really instrumental in that. It's it's probably my first um, favorite movie. As like a little kid, I, I think this was the first uh, the first movie I ever I ever really you know, had enough affection for that ever spoke to me enough to where I was like, this is my favorite movie. And and I've always been the the sort of the sort of person who my favorite thing is like I I I watch the the shit out of it, you know? <laughs> like bring every bit of life out of it I can. So like uh, I I used to watch this movie like every day, like every day as a little kid, like like five six. Wow, perfect fit for today then. So uh, does that have any influence then on your favorite subgenre? You know, are you like way into? universal classics because that was what these guys were into oh no <laughs> oh yeah yeah no 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 yeah yeah um um i would say i would say like um like like through most of my life as a you know as a fan of stuff in general like i gravitate towards um kind of the more like like intense and like like fantasy like mm-hmm. hard sci-fi things like that like i i would ordinarily honestly would call myself more of a more of a fantasy fan more uh, than a horror fan like mm-hmm. um like even w- when i read like horror things i usually read them more like uh as one might read a fantasy story things like you know if that makes any sense yeah so do you find then that stephen king in particular fits that venn diagram in a uniquely fantastical way yeah i i do i do and and what did it for me was uh was the dark tower books um like i'd read a a couple of um like a couple of uh, his books, like early on, like like when I was a kid, like when I was, like the first thing I'd read by him was Cujo when I was fourteen, which is, is you know not an especially good book. Um, but <laughs> hey, you said it, not uh, me. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not you know like like I've I've <clears throat> I've read all of all of his books and I can, I feel like I can confidently say that Cujo is not one of the good ones. <laughs> Yeah, and I entered like The Stand and It and Salem's Lot, all of which are, are amazing, but like they hadn't like really uh, 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 hooked me because I was, you know, attracted to stuff like, you know, like Lord of the Rings, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the, the Dark Tower books are really like, um, they have a lot of fantasy trappings to them, so they're much easier to, 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 to view them mm-hmm. as like sword and sorcery kind of like ma- high fantasy magic shit happening, like demons and, and mutants and shit. And uh, it, it, and he kind of like um, you know sets the framework for how magic works across like all of his uh, you know all of his books and like yeah. one, once you have it and, and I remember you know having uh, read it fairly uh, fairly recently when reading the Dark Tower series and getting to like the third book where he really starts to lay it out and and realizing holy holy hell like now <laughs> I have all this context and made made the previous books make more sense. Yeah. Like thinking back on specifically on it, like um, just having this moment, like, Oh man, that makes that previous book feel so much more exciting now. And like, after I finished dark terror series, I went back right back to it, which is, you know, a brick dude. That's yeah. Like, that's not, that's not like a, a, it's like a <laughs> read. Yeah. Yeah. It's like an 1100 page book. <laughs> and like, and like it, I, it was so much more satisfying, you know, 
That's awesome. And like, like I read it uh, in the context, like, uh, like it was a story about a D and D party. Yeah, hmm. that's yeah. like basically what it is. I'm curious to hear then, as the Stephen King aficionado, what your favorite Stephen King adaptation is, and what you think the best Stephen King adaptation is. If those aren't the same, as in like the most faithful, perhaps even if it's not one that you are the most fond of. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm glad you say that because they are they are different. I mean, the one that resonated with me the most was the was the old version of it. You know, again, that's that's my favorite book of his. And uh, even from a from a really young age, like as a little kid, that old like 1990 like TV movie version of it with Tim Curry, like it scared the hell out of me. It's <laughs> like it's like one of one of it's probably the second movie that really scared me. The first being Child's Play. Wow, that's because like because like that kid's name was Andy, and I was a little kid. There you go. Yeah, well, it was Georgie for me. <laughs> it it so, oh my god, dude! Oh my god, <laughs> See, that sh- that can mess with a kid. It sure does. <laughs> oh man, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that must have been brutal. I'm sorry, but yeah, I- I'd say the most uh, most faithful that I've seen recently is is got to be The Mist. Mm. Like I, I recently uh, rewatched The Mist, and I had also like kind of reread the story because that that one that is a beach read. You know, you could yeah sit and read that over lunch, and, and it 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 really like captures the um, captures the spirit and and the actual like the sequence of events. Yeah, and it actually like expands on it a little bit like that. Oh, brutal, brutal gut punch of an ending. Like, oh, oh it's so god. good. <laughs> oh my god. And like that, that's, that's like an invention of the film and that's, it's, right. it's beautiful. Like it, it works, it works amazingly well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's still, it's, it's the same. Like it's, I, I feel like it's almost scene for scene. There's like a couple, you know, extra little things in there, but it really faithful, faithful adaptation for sure. Definitely the case. I'm a big fan of that one. And uh, I still have to revisit the it miniseries. It still is a little a little scary to me <laughs> to, to go back to. But you know what? If you watch it now, I feel like you'll be less I, mean, I feel I feel confident, <laughs> but it's, um, it's you know, I, I love it still as an artifact. Right. It's 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 got some uh it's got some places where it can be improved. Right, especially I think probably once you get into the second part, I remember being particularly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like because like the kids, at least in the first part, could be into it, mm-hmm. and you know, at least that tracks with the story. Yeah, <laughs> the kids are into it, and and the adult actors like, what the, f- <laughs> <laughs> what is this nonsense? Yes, absolutely. But we're not here to talk about it today. The movie we're talking about today is 1987's The Monster Squad, directed by Fred Decker, who co-wrote it with Shane Black. Now, not a ton of production information that I could find on this one, to be honest. I even watched the Wolfman's Got Nards documentary, but that was more about the fandom than it was about the movie itself. So I found what I could find. And what I could find was that this was made by a team of people who absolutely loved the Universal Classics. And the problem arose that despite monsters like Frankenstein and Dracula being based on literary works, the famous Jack Pierce designed look that they wanted to imitate was copyrighted by Universal to say nothing of the Wolfman, Creature from the Black Lagoon, and Mummy, all of which had been deemed original characters and were owned by Universal outright. And so they turned to Stan Winston's effects company to help them out. Stan Winston, absolute legend of filmmaking and special effects. And this movie, I feel like kind of, you know, there is so much of the friendship and, and camaraderie that is a joy to behold in this movie. But 
without the special effects to really seal the deal, I don't know that this movie has the impact that it has. Oh, it, it looks fantastic. Like even today, I watched it this afternoon. It, it looks it looks great. Absolutely, it does. And so they the problem was really that they needed the makeup to be different enough that it was legally distinct, but close enough that it was still evocative enough to enable the movie to function. And so Stan assigned a designer to each monster, tasking them with the redesign challenge. Frankenstein's monster and Dracula needed the least adjustment because of their origin in the books. Tom Woodruff Jr. worked on Frankenstein, who was played by Tom Noonan of Manhunter fame. Love to see that guy pop up again. Right. (laughs) And he's really great in that. And I think it's interesting that Manhunter is so interesting because he kind of plays this wounded person who is like lashing out at the world around him. And I think that this big hulking Frankenstein's monster who has the heart of gold inside, there are elements of his performance from Manhunter that I think do translate into this one as well. And I think that Tom Noonan is really spectacular at portraying that kind of brute opening themselves up a little bit. Yeah. Like the Frankenstein character is so sweet. Like yeah. his relationship with the, with the little kids is, is it's, it's, it's adorable. It's fresh. Absolutely. One of Frankenstein's notable changes is shifting the electrode bolts from his neck to his temples. I will also say that they specify several times that he is Frankenstein's monster. And that may be true. But as far as I'm concerned, he is also Victor Frankenstein's son and thus also a Frankenstein problem solved. So for brevity or variety, I may bounce around between calling him Frankenstein or Frankenstein's monster. (laughs) No, no, I think I think you make uh, make an excellent point. And I I think that kind of puts the argument to rest in my mind. Like he's a Frankenstein. There we go. Done and done. Correct. Uh, He names he even names him Adam. And so if you're going to name him a first name, he's got to have a family name, too. Yeah. Is the birth certificate just going to say Adam? (laughs) I don't think so. Adam Frankenstein. (laughs) What are they going to call him in school? What if there's another Adam? (laughs) It's a very common name. Dracula was played by Duncan Rhaegar, and the design was done by Alec Gillis. And this was less prosthetics than Frankenstein. So Gillis had time to also design this man bat transformation that he does. Which is also just outrageously good. And it's so early. What an amazing way to really draw you in and be like, this is the kind of effects that you're in for. These two actually wound up creating their own studio together, Amalgamated Dynamics. So there you go. Rhaegar was perhaps shockingly voted by the readers of Wizard Magazine to be the emblematic and scariest version of Dracula coming in at number 30 overall on their 2006 list of greatest villains. This is really... Uh, interesting take to me. I think he is really great. It's got to be very satisfying for the casting department to read that, especially because they had gotten to the point of having Liam Neeson so far in the casting process that they still paid him for the role. And then we're like, no, nope, it's this guy. And it turns out they were right. <laughs> yeah, he's great. He he really, uh, I, I really love love him in this movie. Uh, he he's he's a fantastic villain. Uh, I'm I'm amused at him being ranked like the scariest version of Dracula because <laughs> I don't think he's very scary. Like I don't think I don't think he's a particularly scary Dracula. I think he's a really dope Dracula. Like. Like I was, I was this Dracula for Halloween like five times growing up. <laughs> and who could blame you? <laughs> right, because it's perfect. He, he wears a Halloween Dracula costume. 
it's, it's, it's this insane, insane, ridiculous costume. It's perfect. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Jack Rosengrant handled the Wolfman, which, like I said, was one that needed to be more divergent from the Jack Pierce design. So they went more animalistic and actually based the face mold off of Stan Winston himself. Hmm. The mummy, you can only go so different, really. They got Michael Reed McKay. He's on the shorter side of 5'7", and Shane Mahan really played up kind of the decrepit and shriveling angle of the mummy, which I think works pretty well. You know, he, he is kind of like eerie to look at as he is hanging out yeah. there on the side of the road, <laughs> looming at them. You're like, oh, I don't get out of here. Yeah, his role is to disturb. Yeah. Most intensive, however, was the Gill Man, originally made famous in the Black Lagoon movies that came later than those previously mentioned, uh, specifically 1953-54. And this costume was then not done by Jack Pierce, but Millicent Patrick as a conceptual artist, Chris Mueller as the key sculptor, and Jack Kavan as the suit fabricator. Now, the counterparts for this movie were a very, very young Steve Wang and Matt Rose, who are also icons in and of themselves. And the two of them worked together on this in a collaboration that would live on beyond this movie when they utilized very similar spotted body style for the Predator. And so that Predator design would never have existed without this one. There you go. Movie connections, <laughs> baby. You know what? You know, they did they do they do kind of look similar. <laughs> they do have they do share a they, they share a resemblance like their cousins. Yeah, for sure. And these guys are all huge icons in what's known as the makeup revolution of the 80s. And it shows because, like we said, this movie looks incredible. What a joy to have them all working together because this if they didn't have an incredible team across the board, there's just so much demand on this team in this movie because it's not just four or five monsters. It's also them transforming and exploding and doing all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah, and and. You know the opening, the opening of the movie too. Yeah, the uh, that Van Helsing scene with the with the floor opening and the oh yeah, and the skeletons coming out of the floor, <laughs> and like oh like oh man, like like the beginning of this film is so intense, <laughs> and it's not even close to what they wanted it to be. They had these grand ambitions <laughs> for, for the opening <laughs> sequence, which it still oh, wound up pretty great. Opening, like. yeah. Oh my god. And they were going to have these huge armies and Zeppelins storming the castle too. And they said Uh, that their budget for the original opening was more than the final budget for the entire movie. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense because the opening looks awesome. Yeah, it really does. And that budget is only about $14 million, according to a contemporary article, which is not very much for a monster movie with one monster, much less a handful and a variety of other special effects as well. Unfortunately, it did flop on release on August 14th, making just under $2 million back and getting derided as a Goonies ripoff, which, in my opinion, is a huge disservice to both movies, which both have their own merits. Yeah, they're not not the same. They're they're not the same at all. uh, uh, I mean, I I get the the comparison. There's a group of kids. That's it. Yeah, group of kids goes on an adventure. Yeah. But like they don't fight monsters in the Goonies. Like they solve a mystery. It's totally yeah. like uh, like this is more like the Ghostbusters. <laughs> like they form a they form like a business. Like at the end they have cards. Oh yeah. Perfect. No, they're they're contractors for the army potentially at the end. 
Yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> Since then, however, the movie has found its audience, gaining a fan base large enough to merit the aforementioned documentary, Wolfman's Got Nards, directed by Andre Gower himself, who plays our protagonist, Sean Crenshaw. And it's been labeled the best horror movie ever made by us on this very here show. So there you go. High praise. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Series accolades there. That's right. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back to the show. Whoa, an ad. Don't freak out. Just wanted to let everybody know about the cool posters we now have for the best little horror house in Philly. A horror house party, and everyone was invited. Friend of the pod and incredible artist A.T. Pratt, who you may remember from the Eraserhead or You Are a Shark episodes, put together an amazing poster with at least one reference to every movie we've covered as the best on this podcast. You can check them out at littlehorrorphl.com forward slash shop, but also patrons can get a 15% off coupon, which is basically the cost of the month of Patreon. So, you know, that's an option too. Uh, I think the posters are rad as hell. Check them out, see how many you can name, and now, back to the show. To get into the actual movie, I love, not even before we get into the the enormity of the fun opening, it's a great opening scroll. Uh, Very intense (laughs) in its old-timey font, the color of the classic red paint blood on a black void. It looks great. Mm -hmm. They blew it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It reads... Uh, 100 years before this story begins, it was a time of darkness in Transylvania, a time when Dr. Abraham von Helsing and a small band of freedom fighters conspired to rid the world of vampires and monsters and to save mankind from the forces of eternal evil. They blew it. (laughs) Great. Perfect tone setter. Totally understand what you're in for. Thunder rumbles. A wolf howls. You're in, baby. Mm-hmm. And, and then it's Castlevania, dude. Then, then it's like, yeah. then it's like Dracula shit happening. It's great. It totally is. And most importantly to me, the armadillos are back. That alone would make this a ten out of ten for me. I'm a longtime proponent of the armadillos coming back in Dracula lore. This is a big soapbox moment for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like let, let let's talk about this because like I'm I, like they've always stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Like ever since being a little kid, I was just like, what? Like, like it 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 weirded me out. I, I've I have read Dracula. I don't remember anything about Godzilla's. <laughs> no. Like, so in um in the 1930s one, the Todd Browning version, they were like, all right, we have this Dracula's castle set. We need it to look exotic, and so they filled it with armadillos possums and bees <laughs> oh yeah okay it makes sense. classic vampire accoutrement yeah 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 with some <laughs> nice romanian like transylvanian armadillos exactly and I um no the range of armadillos there might be no uh, they are native to the americas them. actually oh <laughs> <laughs> like i knew that i didn't know if Perhaps there was a like a variety of armadillo. Nope. They just said, fuck it. Dracula has armadillo <laughs> friends. And I love it. I think that the armadillos should be in every every vampire thing. There should yeah. be armadillos hanging out. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he has control over the lower beast, so it does. <laughs> exactly. Pass. Yeah, exactly. The way to him. <laughs> uh, the man bat transformation, like we said, is also a great way to start at the beginning. Draws you right in as Dracula emerges from the shadows great stuff we also get this big explosion as the forces of dr van helsing intrude and kill one of dracula's brides they read an incantation that causes the dead to emerge in protest and the ground to quake 
before a portal comes out of a jewel, sucking in the girl who is reading, among other things. Very hectic. This feels kind of Indiana Jonesy, that kind of like cold open and like this like archaeological place. But having the dead rise, it's just so fun, so adventurous. It really gets you going. Yeah, yeah, it, it's 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 super metal. It's so <laughs> it's so cool. Like, um, <clears throat> you know, when I was w- w- you know when I was real little watching, and I thought it was I thought it was scary. It was it was it was nightmarish, dude. Like, uh, like the, the the concept of like this big hole in space that would like suck you into some unknown black <laughs> void. Classic. Like, uh, I, I would say that's still scary to me as an adult. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, there are times as an adult when I'm like, please, please let that be how I go. But, um, <laughs> but no, no, yeah. And as a kid, it was terrifying. And you know, and you know, watching this, watching this movie, and as a, as an adult, it's like such a different experience because this this is still really cool. Yes. Um, and like, it, I, I think the thing that um that that I most love about this movie is is the the kid logic of it. And I think that's that's the brilliance of it, mm-hmm. uh, because the entire thing. I mean, there there are some you know logic questions in this in this script. I'd say in this movie, <laughs> but like, no. like all of it, all of it like perfectly tracks if you're thinking of it as a, as a little kid. Definitely. So like so like growing up, everything every every beat of it made perfect sense. <laughs> it's like, oh, duh, that is that is how this would go. If this Obviously, arose IRL. <laughs> Yes, I totally agree. And I think that that kid logic is kind of part and parcel to the feeling of authenticity that kind of does run through this movie. You know, there's a, a scene later on where he's trying to convince his dad to let him go see a movie. And it's just so real. Like, I, w- I was like, yeah, I've this is me a thousand times over. I mean, we'll talk about it more when it's there, but it just that feeling of realism and understanding of what being a kid is like i think does track through the entirety of the movie but we cut to present day sean and patrick played by andre gower and robbie kiger real life best friends are in the uh, principal's office being lectured about spider with human head great monster (laughs) terrifying (laughs) i mean i feel like the scariest part of the spider is the face yeah (laughs) normal spider not great Spider with human head? Get that shit right out of here. And to wit, we learn about their monster club this way. Let's get this out of the way. There is some dialogue throughout the movie that is unfortunately accurate in depicting the cruelty that can run rampant among young boys between the homophobia and the nickname of fat kid for Horace. It's not ideal, but I think that what the rest of this movie has to offer is still worthwhile enough to not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Other people may feel differently. It is certainly a relic of the time in which it came out. I think it does reflect the people that it is trying to reflect. And so, uh, you know, it's just part of the movie. And uh, yeah. and it, it does show up here and there. Yeah, I, I, I agree to that point. Yeah, it's it's a uh, you know, it's not unfor- it's unfortunate that the, that the movie involves, you know, such language as the F slur. Yeah, it's also honest. It's also true to life that yeah. like that kid in 1987 bullying another kid is going to use the F slur on him. Mm-hmm. Like, they did. Kids did that. Kids did that up until kids do that now. Right. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, Sean and Patrick come across Horace being bullied by EJ and Derek. 
Horace, played by Brent Shalom, unfortunately died at just 22 from pneumonia. He's so great in this. Really uh, a shame that he died so young. Yeah, he is. He 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 really he really does crush it in this movie. He has he has some of the best funny funniest lines in it. Mm-hmm. Rudy rolls up on his bike, all cool and tough. He does like the side <laughs> skid in, wonderful. And the fight immediately stops, and EJ is terrified. Terrified enough that he finally gives in to eating the candy bar that he stomped on rather than face Rudy's wrath in revenge for his friend Horace, as he says. Uh, very fun intro for Rudy. I like this like t- middle school version of like tough guy. It's a classic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rudy's another another kid where he's like that. If you're watching this growing up, like this kid isn't cool at all. Like <laughs> this kid is disturbed and easily the biggest nerd of of all of these kids case in point he's like like he's older than all of them and he's but why why is he he's just hanging out he's only (laughs) seen hanging out with these younger kids he's like riding around his bike he's got like like his loafers and white socks (laughs) he's like trying so hard to posture and look cool oh yeah Yeah. i'm honestly surprised he didn't have the uh, cards in the spokes of the bike Oh, yeah, to make it sound like a motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah. Now, here's a question that we have to address. Can Wolfman drive a car? You know what? I feel, I feel like I got, I, I got to say, yeah. I mean, why can't Wolfman drive a car? I mean, I, I think that question is like, what degree of intelligence have we seen Wolfman possess? Right. And they say that he, uh, he maintains his dignity enough to put on pants. Yeah. To cover... <laughs> Well, those movies were made in the 40s. Right, so true. So, so true. they had to. Yeah, you <laughs> so don't want to see his wolf dork. On the costume that they had, that they would <laughs> inevitably have to put on. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I, I feel like he definitely can. And, you know, I, I would say my evidence, I know this is a different film, but in Werewolf, uh, Werewolves Drive a Car. Sure. Look, uh, I'm inclined to agree. I think that a Wolfman could drive a car and um i think that they could do it pretty well in fact <laughs> yeah it's not like i he's got to maintain because it's mostly muscle memory yeah and it's you know, an animal that, instinct and, too you know <laughs> yeah they they're they they're very because I, mean, I mean i think i think the argument that they can't drive a car presupposes that they that they have the intellect of a wolf mm-hmm. right but I mean, this is a wolf that adapts instantly uh, to walking on two legs and having <laughs> hands and So I think in that sense, I think the same parts of your brain that would allow you to instantly remember how to walk around and manipulate <laughs> objects as a man, as a person, uh, would, uh, would allow you to also drive a car. Asked and answered. Uh, this question was pondered by Sean and Patrick as they walk home from school, accompanied by Sean's sister, Phoebe who sees scary German guy scarily staring at them from his scary house. Terrifying. This is another classic trope. You get your home alone guy, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the the neighbor who's creepy and turns out to be a nice guy. Uh, yeah. works works well every time. Yeah, they're creepy because they're old. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Oh, he stays inside a lot and he's, <laughs> and he's older. <laughs> How dare he? Like I'm so close to that. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just a few years from that. Especially with quarantine, we were all really getting our practice in. <laughs> Up in the sky, two pilots hear a noise from the cabin behind. Typically, not a big deal, but this 
this is a funerary plane. I actually do think this moment is spooky in a fun, suspenseful way. I think there's a great performance by David Proval really selling it as this pilot here. Yeah, I I, I love what high billing he has <laughs> in this movie. And like, I don't know what, like the only other thing I, I know him from is, is his Richie April. Uh, <laughs> so why is he, why, I don't know why he's built so like, <laughs> Of Brent Shalom in this movie, yeah, <laughs> like away before him, wow. and he's not an important character at all. Wow, they, and like they I, saw this this scene and they said he's shining. It's it was like this prescient moment to just like kill <laughs> him so high, <laughs> like like he was like he was a big get for them. I guess so. Sunk like, to someone. He 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 must he must have been in something else that that I don't know about. <laughs> so he goes back. There's bats, there's rats. Worst of all, there's Drax. Actually, just one. Dracula is there. <laughs> one is all you need. Oh. One bad enough. So true. He opens up the hangar door, flies the heck out as a bat. A coffin also drops out into the lake, which starts a bubble in. Rudy is brought into the monster club by Horace after he passes a monster test. Can't just get into a monster club, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, membership's really exclusive. <laughs> He's distracted by the view into a neighbor's bedroom, but Sean entreats, Rudy, come on, it's a monster test. It's important. And he's right. It is. Very cute that Phoebe wants to join too. She knows about monsters. But tellingly, when Sean gets called away to dinner, Rudy is also secretly invested in joining, which I think is a fun moment where he's like, well, am I in or what? Oh yeah, yeah. He's 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 posing this whole time. He's yeah. like he's like, yeah, I'm cool. He these kids think he's cool, so he's letting them continue to think he's cool. Exactly. Sean's mom has gotten him a book at a yard sale that was written by Van Helsing himself, and Sean is pleased as punch, although it does require translation. Dracula, meanwhile, looks over the town and says, "Let it begin." <laughs> very ominous. Very fun. <laughs> And then we finally get to this scene of Sean trying to approach his dad about going to see Groundhog Day Part 12. And like I said, boy, does this feel relatable to like kind of just wandering up real casual. It's so obvious that you want something. (laughs) The dad is like, Sean, what are you looking for? And he's just like, oh, you know, me and some of the fellas were thinking about going to see Groundhog's Day 12 tonight. It's just it's just so relatable. It, It totally brings me back to being a kid, which is something that I think that this movie is uniquely situated to pull off. Yeah. This movie is, is is hyper authentic. Like, like the, the, the home moment, the home moments in this movie are so real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, like Sean walking in, like that scene where Sean walks into the kitchen for dinner and he, you know, he grabs the Karen mom, he grabs Karen's mom, pulls out of of his hand in the background. Like Phoebe's like, uh, Phoebe's like just shouting at the TV. (laughs) Just saying nonsense, saying boring guy, boring guy, boring guy. <laughs> being being like a loud little kid, and no one's acknowledging it. It's it's perfect, and like the tone of the conversation between him and dad, the tone of the conversation between between him and mom, like watching your parents fight secretly. Like, man, it 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 brings you back. It's it's like it's it's exactly like like what it was like. Yeah, it's incredible, and. Dad does say, no, you got to babysit as nicely as possible. He's like, we'll go see the movie tomorrow. 
Like, sorry, but we got to do this. And it's not like it's for nothing. It's so that he can go to marriage counseling. (laughs) Yeah, he's trying here. But even that gets interrupted by being called into work. Now, at the police station where he's being called from because he is a police officer, there's a guy screaming about being a werewolf needing to be locked up. That's not what they're calling about, though. (laughs) (laughs) That Don't worry, we got that. (laughs) That's under control. Something more pressing is happening. Yeah. Also, I say that it's under control. They light this fool up, but they're calling him in because a 2,000-year-old mummy has vanished a literal ton of time, gone in smoke. (laughs) We also get some classic comedic editing here to cut from 2,000-year-old dead guys do not just walk away by themselves to the mummy doing just that, which is, of course, also very similar to the one in Fred Decker's previous movie, Night of the Creeps. Also a very fun movie, but I think that this, uh, you know, you can see how that was kind of a pr- trial run for making sure that this uh, worked really well. I think that that's, it's a great joke. I'm not surprised that he went back to that well. <laughs> the werewolf does get shot up at the police station, like I said, but he's not dead because it's just regular bullets. Transforms in the uh, coroner's van or whatever. And it's transporting the body and he attacks He's drawn to Dracula, who seems to be controlling him with a cane, clearly a reference to the one in the original, as discussed in our very own Wolfman episode right here, just a a scant few weeks ago. Gilman also rises from the depths, holding the coffin that dropped containing Frankenstein. Everyone's back. Handy little conductor that Dracula has in that cane. Very convenient. Oh, yeah, yeah. Does your cane not have a lightning rod and any electrodes in it? I'm telling you, American Worksmanship has gone down the toilet. I haven't oh, gotten yeah. one in the last three canes that I bought. Yeah, that that some real that was some real Swiss canesmanship if I've ever seen it. <laughs> so true, so true. I, I I I I love this scene so much. Like the the meeting of the monsters, you know, mm-hmm. the little freeze on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're just. And they have this moment together where they're just being excited <laughs> and enjoying it. And they're like, we're yeah, monsters. Yeah, we're doing it. Uh, we're doing the monster thing. I'm like, it was a monster mash and a graveyard smash. <laughs> Dracula's like, all right, get out there. Start spooking kids out, all right? <laughs> Start creeping everybody out. Start making everybody uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Getting everybody in trouble with their parents. <laughs> Hide in kids' closets. <laughs> Sean sees a message that he got from a Mr. Alucard school, yeah. <laughs> and he's interested in the Van Halen diary. Funny error from uh, from the mom. Possible three money. <laughs> Possible free money in exchange for this thing that I bought. <laughs> but wait a minute. Something about that name. It It couldn't be. Alucard is Dracula backwards. Oh <laughs> but like God. that's not the first place he goes. No, no, it's first not. First he tries. First he sort of tries a couple anagrams. Yeah, like he's, he's like, like, I'm unscrambling this. <laughs> which is which, which is a totally normal reaction to mm. receiving a message. Totally, totally. Look, he's only offering three money. There's <laughs> something is <laughs> fucked up here. And, and these are the days before you could just Google the number. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Also cute. Also cute. The Dracula leaves phone messages. 
and, and weirdly, I kind of do think again, again, the kid logic again is flawless. Perfect. Yeah. Like watching this movie as a child I was like, yes, duh, of course, Dracula yeah. would call first. Hello, Mrs. <laughs> Sean's mom. I would like to buy the Van Halen journal. <laughs> this is dr- um, <laughs> Alucard. <laughs> I'm possibly from Sean's school. <laughs> I should like to give you some free money. Free money. Uh, 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 uh. How do I know you bought the book, you ask? <laughs> no, no. It doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, Sean assembles the Monster Club and he declares them to now be the Monster Squad there oh, to dispatch the real life monsters that have arrived. For example, Dracula and the mummy in a little boy's closet that a pissy dad fails to see. <laughs> a very funny scene. Ugh, man, this I feel so much for Eugene. Oh, poor and Eugene. It, like, <laughs> there is a monstrous closet. It happens for real. <laughs> <laughs> and like, man, how different, like how different the course of this film would be. <laughs> if, like, <laughs> he just looked in. Isn't such a dick about it. <laughs> Like, like he's a little kid. Yeah, I mean, like the, the, uh, all throughout watching this, watching this movie, I kept thinking of man. Like, I, I bet there's more context to this in the book. Like, <laughs> I know that there's not a book of this movie, and and maybe there should be. Yeah, where's that novelization? Maybe, maybe there is. Maybe there is where somebody's like uh, really given all sorts of like deeper context, which mm. I feel like there's like little hints of it throughout this throughout this whole movie. Definitely, like like Eugene probably has done that shit like like every night for the past week. <laughs> probably like claims there's a monster in his room all the time. And but still, who hasn't look. been there? Right. <laughs> the the squad all agrees to take it seriously. Although the one time they do kind of poke at the kid logic is where Rudy questions how the dog got in the treehouse. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, how the hell does this happen? It's an unanswered question. Like, unanswered. We'll never know. He climbs. He's a wolf man. Yeah. Can a wolf man climb a ladder? That's, that's the question <laughs> should be asked. Because it's probably difficult for a, a grown adult to climb the ladder to that can we talk about that treehouse for a second? There's no way that kids built that treehouse. <laughs> no, definitely not. Like that, that treehouse would cost you like $2,000 a month to rent it. <laughs> it's huge. It really is huge. It's nicely decorated as well. Plenty of uh, zombie posters. You get some Fulci in there. Uh, mm-hmm. Lots of, lots of good stuff. Yeah. Some Gilman action figures in the background. Classic. Dracula is in this rundown mansion. That has a classic statue arm secret passage. Got to have one of those. Down in the dungeon, he visits Frankenstein and tasks him with getting the book back from the kids, killing them if they don't cooperate. Now, these kids are off at scary German guy's house because who else are they going to get to translate? And Frank comes across Phoebe in a scene very evocative of the original meeting with a little girl, which I liked very much. You know, there's all these little homages to the original that show up, you know, Wolfman kind of prowling through this foggy forest that looks a lot like it. All these moments that really let the uh, love for the original movies shine through, which I can appreciate as a, a fellow fan of them. 
Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I, I remember that that specific scene in Frankenstein. That that that's a real um like a, a real spooky moment too because uh cuz it cuts away there and you don't you don't know what happened to Phoebe for a little. Exactly. It really right. utilizes that cultural cachet that the movie has established, that Frankenstein has established where you say, "Oh, I know this scene all these years later. I know how it plays out in that original. I know that this is an homage to that. How far are they going to go?" It's really yeah. great editing. Yeah, and it's early enough in the film where we, I, I feel like we kind of haven't set the rules for like how far can we go. Turns out, you know, not not that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, true. but yeah, but yeah, man, like like you have you have no clue, you have no clue, and she's just this cute innocent little girl. She sure is, and she's she's having this meeting with Frankenstein about the boys eat a bunch of pie. As scary German guy translates very pleasantly. Mm-hmm. Nice dude. <laughs> uh, good and evil are in constant flux, he says. And this amulet that they see in the journal is concentrated good and wards off evil. And the only way to destroy this amulet is shattering it on the specific balancing point of good and evil once every hundred years. And the forces of good have to do a ceremony that will stop the forces of evil by opening a portal to limbo and hey tomorrow is the day isn't that oh, wild my gosh <laughs> you, wild <laughs> you don't say <laughs> it's perfect again that kid logic that you don't even question the timing i also love that this is like oh it gives you a little additional context of what we saw at the beginning even though we understood it enough that we like we got the plot of of the movie but just getting them to revisit and say like, oh, this is specifically a ceremony that they were doing to try and stop this guy. I, I like the way that it kind of adds a little extra flair or flavor to the to the beginning. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like like a hundred years ago, a bunch of vampire hunters, like like grown up vampire hunters tried to do this same thing and, yeah. and they failed and all got sucked into <laughs> sucked into like a black lightless hell. Yeah. Um, uh, uh. <laughs> it's terrifying yeah. the problem is that they got to get a virgin to read the spell with the amulet uh, and then blammo should yeah, be easy it blows me away watch this movie now like well why not like literally about any <laughs> about any of these little these little tiny boys <laughs> and i like that they're just like oh hey rudy know any virgins <laughs> like uh yeah, me. There's <laughs> everyone. <laughs> I'd say we mostly know. We mostly know virgins. <laughs> Phoebe does show up again. She introduces them to Frankenstein. They run away a little bit, but it's okay. He's friends with them now. Nice, nice intro uh, to him from Phoebe as something more than uh, than what he's sort of positioned to be. Oh yeah, I, I think possibly, uh, you know, possibly my my favorite single moment in this movie is, is is coming up right now, and that's like the cutaway from the scene where Phoebe's uh, standing there holding holding Frankenstein's <laughs> finger. She's like, "Can I be in the club now?" Oh man, she yeah. Like, I brought a I brought Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> like she's uh, I I really I, I really really enjoy her in this in this movie. I, I feel like I feel like she's kind of the MVP of this movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She she really is fantastic. She's been trying to get into this club all along. She can finally buy entry. It's just delightful. 
Also, I'm curious to ask, I meant to ask this at the beginning, which is your favorite monster of these uh, in the, in the monster squad? Oh man. It's, it's, it's tough for me. I mean, I think, I mean, I mean, like I said, I, I was, I was, Dude, I, I I dressed up as this Dracula like five times, so, yeah. so I'm, I'm very I'm very very big into Dracula here. Um, I, I really love the Wolfman too, uh, but I feel like the one that's like to me looks the coolest and feels the most unique to this movie is the Gill Man. Yeah, like, you know, the Gill Man doesn't really do too much in the movie. Like, I, I mean, I feel like you get the most action out of out of the Wolfman. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like if you remove, if you had to remove all the monsters from this movie and make it just one, I feel like the Wolfman gives you the most to work with. Mm-hmm. But, um, but the Gillman just looks so rad. He <laughs> sure does. I, I love the look of the Gillman, <laughs> and, and I love that. Uh, I love uh, that Hor- that Horace deals with it. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting moment of self actualization for Frankenstein when they hand him a mask of himself. Uh, very sad when he realizes he's scary, and uh, but it's sweet when they all walk home together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they walk off into the sunshine with <laughs> with 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 Frankenstein. That nobody nobody's around to question it. <laughs> They're just walking down the middle of the street. There's there's nobody like driving by, slowing down a little bit. Like uh, question that? Why would you? Why would you question? Whatever. He looks fine. Don't be chicken shit. <laughs> He's friends with us. He is friends with us. Drac and the Wolfman track down the amulet behind a wall, and Dracula is psyched, while uh, Monster Squad goes through a classic school day montage, more like monstrage for this movie, though. Man, the song, like I've been singing the song to myself all day. Like <laughs> it's great. Anticipation. Not completely <laughs> drop, but <laughs> I, I especially love this whole montage. Because of how, how how ludicrous it is, like uh, particularly uh, Rudy's portion of the he does all the mir- the real stuff does everything. <laughs> okay, so so let's break it down. Let's see what everybody achieves. All right, yeah. Montage. Horace doesn't do anything. He's nope. virtually uh, he's basically absent from the montage. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick uh, makes some cards. Great. He makes the cards. That's important. How are you going to get the word out? You got right. Monster. This is a business. <laughs> and if this movie were made today, Patrick would be managing the Instagram account <laughs> on TikToks. Uh, uh, Sean worries, like worries about how much time is left. Sean like watches the clock, and Rudy makes bullets, <laughs> makes a shitload of bullets in school. Yeah. <laughs> like he's evidently stolen like all of Sean's mom's silverware, virtually all of it. Like a lot of it, a lot. It's a big silverware case, and there's a shitload of it missing. Like he's made, like he's made, like a like a box of bullets. Yeah, a bunch of stakes as well. Yeah, yeah. Just in this gloomy, like ill lit, like shop in school. <laughs> in addition, he's also if you're paying, he's also like doing like a fake dummy project to show yeah. to the teacher. Be like, oh, I'm not making weapons here. He's great at shop. Like, like he makes so many, and he and he and, and they work. <laughs> like he makes fun- <laughs> makes functioning bullets. Like, like I am sorry. Like I feel you need more than silverware. <laughs> he steals the bow and arrow. He gets a uh, he gets. He gets some photos developed. He has time in all this to get some photo, photos developed as well. Sure. He, well, he dropped those off at the beginning of the montage, <laughs> does all the other stuff, comes back. 
It was a one hour photo. I will say Eugene sends a letter off to the that's army. That's right. Yeah. That's the most important part. Yeah. <laughs> your army guys. Yeah. And Phoebe does dress up Frankenstein like E.T. That's important too. That That is true. Yeah. <laughs> You know, bonding moment between Phoebe and Phoebe and Frankenstein. Yeah. Indeed. Dracula, unfortunately, is also preparing and he's tied up the Wolfman and kidnapped three women to be his new brides. Wolfman is only pretending to be out of it, though, and he makes good his escape, getting to a phone and warning the police right before he turns. Doesn't look pleasant, but dang, does it look good. Oh, man, it's it's amazing. This it's it's truly horrific. It, it looks it looks incredible. Like like if you put this in a movie today, it would look as good. I feel like yeah. While the boys scout out a potential virgin to read the spell for them, creatures take Eugene's Twinkie. Yeah, I got to question the division of labor in in the Monster Squad in their planning here. I don't know if they're utilizing everybody's talents the most. Like, all right. We're going to go try to break into the monster's house. We're going to go face to face with the monsters. We're going to have Rudy, you know, the muscle of the group, basically. We're going to have him stay back at the glove house. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I thought that he was suave enough to convince, uh, convince what's his name? Sister Patrick's sister. Mm. Um, but she's, uh, not, not, none too pleased. And so unfortunately, uh, they have to blackmail Patrick's sister with uh, nude photos that Frankenstein's monster accidentally took for her to do it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, the facade really begins to crumble for Rudy at this point. <laughs> yeah. you know, I think I think this moment outs him as being kind of a creep, mm-hmm. uh, kind of a creep, and kind kind of you know, uh, uh, like kind of kind of the biggest dork in the group. I feel yeah. like again. Uh, like he's so he's so not smooth about it, <laughs> and he's trying so hard. Like, and inquire as to at some point in time the degree <laughs> which you may or may not <laughs> have been dorked, and just and then just the utter creepiness. Then to extort her, he's like, "Hey, see these these uh, we were spying on you in our clubhouse, and our Ugh. monster friend took these pictures of you. We're gonna." Post them publicly if you don't do what we say. Uh, it's not ideal. Rudy, come on, man. You're better than that, Rudy. And he, um, hey, he gets better than later in the movie. He sure does. And the other half of the team, like you said, the division of labor here is uh, they're approaching the old mansion that we saw Dracula in earlier. The ceiling crumbles on Frankenstein after Dracula explodes a trap on them. And Sean is just like, fuck that guy. <laughs> He's the leader, man. He's he's the Captain Kirk. He well, he certainly was, and he said that we have to press on despite Dracula knowing that we're here and already taking out the biggest member of our party. <laughs> Dude, uh, you you got to give it to Sean. Like he's 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 such a brave kid. He's determined he's up being the leader of the Monster Squad. Sure is. Uh, they are immediately attacked by Wolfman, who Horace fends off with a swift kick to the Nards. Very, very famous line. Of course, everyone knows Wolfman's got nards. Oh, Tried and true. Dude, and, and just Sean screaming, kick him in the nards, kick, kick him in the nards, kick him in the nards. <laughs> oh, man, it, it resonates with me so much because like like the panic in his voice. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you? Like, like whenever I'm watching monster, all, all my life, whenever I'm watching like a monster movie or something like that, I'm like, why don't you just, just like kick, kick We're him the in shot. the nards? 
let's try why are you, why not yeah what's the worst that happens is it just continues to not work like because <laughs> uh, if it doesn't work at all then he's gonna kill you so but that was gonna happen anyway so yeah. might as well Spend give it, it a, exactly gotta get him get, get that kick in there <laughs> wolfman is recovering though and they run into the brides of dracula and then dracula himself and they're cornered or are they Thanks to the Hardy Boys, they find another secret statue lever and drop down a trap door. Classic. This is why you gotta have those around. Yeah, this this is this is like like a, a beautiful, perfect funhouse scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, there they find the amulet, and Dracula tries to get it from Sean, which I like this moment of like again. This is something that feels like it could be explored in a novelization, but there's enough of it to pick up on that. Like he couldn't take the amulet because it's concentrated good. And so he needed Sean to grab it. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. And there's all these, there's all these crosses. There's all this like, uh, like, like crucifixes and crosses all, all scattered around the room. Yeah. Like to ward away Dracula. So yeah, I, I, I love this, uh, this moment in the movie where we're, he just like is laying in wait for someone to grab it out of there for him. <laughs> it's perfect. And, 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 and the pizza thing and the, yeah. the pizza in his pocket, like, 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 like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bit troubled by the cheap joke of, of course, you know, the fat kid is walking around pizza in his pocket. Not saying I've never done it. Not saying I've never walked around with like a pizza or like a hamburger tucked away sure, in my pocket. Sure. Like that. I've been there. Yeah. You, you never know. Sometimes you're on the go. <laughs> You know, sometimes your dad takes you to McDonald's before CCD and you don't have time to finish and you get a stick of burger in your pocket. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like like him pulling the pizza is burning with the garlic, burning Dracula's face with the garlic is, it feels like like a silly, jokey moment. But, um, you know, to like to circle it back to like to me as a horror fan and like fantasy logic and Stephen King logic, like um, uh, the, the thing that aff- appeals to me a lo- about a lot of that is... Um, like modernizations of like uh, of really old like horror and fantasy tropes, like interpreting uh, what if you just did vampires but in modern day. Yeah. So like the idea that you would fight a vampire just with a piece of pizza with garlic salt on it, like like yeah, it feels silly, but also in real life, if you were faced with Dracula and you had a pizza pizza with garlic salt, fuck yeah, you're you're using. <laughs> it's brilliant like um like like it's it's still fun and funny but it's also it's also like real and and honest dude yeah and it's also another moment for horace to really take center stage and and prove that he is very brave he does so much in this movie to really be ultimately the muscle of the group you know how many of the monsters does he take out just by himself yeah, yeah, he he's like he's like the Samwise Gamgee of this so of true. this crew, dude. <laughs> like, because you know, while yeah, yeah, Sean Sean can be really brave about it. That's cool, but like Pat, a uh, uh, horse is scared shitless, and he goes anyway. Yeah, share the load, Mister <laughs> Sean. <laughs> yeah, all that's missing is like is Horace carrying Sean and Eugene yep. <laughs> on his back. <laughs> They gives, gives them time to escape this pizza slap to the face and Phoebe and scary German guy roll up on them in a Jeep and they agree to all go, go to the old church with the amulet, which is perfect because monsters hate religious stuff done and done. 
The mummy climbs aboard. Pretty creepy, like I said. And then very fun also for them to tie his bandage to an arrow, which gets fired away, uh, crumbling the mummy and just leaving a skull. And, you know, him him instigating the his friend to go get the bandage, being like, don't be a chicken shit. Like, it's just <laughs> great. It's It's so fun. What a fun moment in this movie that's been so jam-packed that this this feels like it kind of slips under the radar but it's such a great moment it is it's it's really cool it, it it stuck with me so much like i've never i've never forgotten this this mummy unraveling scene yeah and and, and it, it and it feels like like it kind like it makes sense even though it doesn't like <laughs> why would that work why would that work magic bandages like, it's not all one it's not all one piece <laughs> it's not like they just like wrap a little bit around his toe like it's <laughs> one piece and like the and like the idea that he would like be able to wrap it around and just like on the on the fly get that one perfect shot into a tree incredible like like he created his role on it <laughs> <laughs> although i was thinking i was because i thought about this as well where i was like wow very lucky that he got that tree but if it went into the ground it might have still worked honestly oh, it just yeah, wouldn't yeah, have looked right. as good <laughs> I mean, it was really rad, really dope. It's definitely, it's definitely a thing that you would, uh, <laughs> that you would claim you did later on. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think also speaking to the critical role aspect of it, feels exactly like you would have killed it at like a fifteen or whatever. And after all that, you're just like, all right, just get fancy with it, I guess. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, you got it, but you rolled really high, so we're gonna make it ridiculous, we're right? The flavor it. text of it. <laughs> Everyone is driving everywhere. Sean's cop dad is in pursuit of the kids with his partner and driving real fast because the werewolf said Dracula was going to kill his kid. But they run right through Dracula's car, which phases out. Very fun effect. Drac is pissed. He gets some TNT and he friggin blows up that treehouse. <laughs> I mean, uh, I lo- love the Dracula move that Dracula, Lord of Evil, <laughs> um, wielder of, of of horrifying vampiric powers. He's like, oh, I'll, I'll blow it up. I'll get some dynamite, chuck it through the treehouse window. <laughs> like it's super dark. It's super dark, but also kind of silly. Yeah, tried and true measures. You know, <laughs> he needs it done quick. Yeah, and, why uh, not? Sometimes transforming into a bat just ain't gonna cut it. He's like, uh, man, I guess I could like invade their minds and lure them. <laughs> here and like bring them down into my dungeon and that's a lot of work into the undead (laughs) yeah he's got an amulet to steal you know who has time for all that stuff (laughs) dad tries to stop him but dracula blows up dad's partner in the squad car Mm. and the bullets do nothing and dracula just flies off i did also notice they did put the bullet holes in the house behind Dracula. He yeah. could have fucking killed his wife right there. Yeah, dude, soup that that's super spooky to me. Like, like uh like yeah, I, I find that detail so eerie. Yeah, it's uh it's a really good one. Now dad heads to town square to meet the squad, but the church is locked and the brides are approaching, so they're all starting to read the the journal right there on the street. Mm-hmm. And Rudy successfully goes to hold them off while Patrick's sister struggles with the German. And Dracula Prime shows up with the dad in hot pursuit still, bursting into the church, guns ablazing. 
<laughs> oh, oh yeah, that uh, while driving, he's like shooting, <laughs> like track Dracula's flying as a bat. Dad shows up driving his car, shooting, shooting the gun out his window. Had a flying bat. Like that's in, what you do in town square. Like this has been this has been described as town square. Real, still really residential looking. <laughs> But uh, but but supposedly by its name, an area where there are people, and he's just like shooting a, shooting a gun at a bat, flying the sky wall drive. Blah, blah. He hits blah, it. Blah. Even. <laughs> yeah, and he's about to blow up Dracula, who did get hit and like falls into the like he's in his half bat, half man transformation oh, stage. Man. Looks great, and Dad is about to blow him up when the Wolfman attacks again. But Sean and his dad push the Wolfman out the window, and he explodes again. But that Dude, ain't a uh, silver bullet, is it? No, yeah, uh, really answers Sean's question from earlier. Uh, he suggests way to kill a va- way to kill a werewolf uh, fall out a window onto a bomb. Not the case. <laughs> yeah, turns out that doesn't work. No, he he reassembles, which is also very fun. I like that. This is something that I don't see in werewolf stuff. Yeah, yeah, like like I've never heard that in werewolf lore that they pull themselves back together. It's awesome though. Like I yeah. I accepted it right away. Like uh like yeah, that's I, I keep I feel like I keep saying this, but there there are a ton of little scenes in this movie that just stuck with me so hard. And that and that's that's another one of them was the wolfman pulling himself together. Absolutely. And he reassembles himself and runs at Rudy. But more police arrive to hold him off. The plan is stalled, though, because Patrick's sister reveals that she's only a virgin because Steve doesn't count. Yeah, I mean, Steve, but... <laughs> Fucking Steve, ruining everything. Yeah, uh, Pat Patrick's uh, just a really great line delivery for Patrick. He's Steve! Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, like, a really, a really, like, a close cut after Patrick doesn't count, and then, like, cut to more, like, oh, monster man. Action, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, and Rudy gets a hold of one of the cops' guns, and he uses one of these silver bullets to kill the Wolfman, who yeah. thanks him as he expires. Holy shit! Yeah, let, let's talk about how dark this is. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, which uh, again, uh, for me, that that's I mean that as a compliment. I love that about this. Yeah, like, like, like when when rudy first goes to to fight these three vampire brides like the way he's like i'm in the goddamn club aren't i he's got <laughs> a cigarette wagging in his mouth uh he's got his leather jacket with his bow and the stakes and like and like he's 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 clearly milking this like badass moment yeah he's a kid trying to be an action hero and then yeah like taking a dead cop's gun <laughs> and like shooting a werewolf and having having the werewolf then turn back into a guy like like where's monster squad 2 where where rudy is totally traumatized by this yeah Rudy's waking up screaming every night thinking about this it really feels like uh in anchorman where they're like brick killed a guy <laughs> it's like rudy but, killed oh. a guy <laughs> Yeah, like like it's on like the rest of those they died and they stayed monsters but that <laughs> guy like you killed him and he's like oh i'm a person again as i'm dying because <laughs> of you yeah yeah and and he gets no time to grieve even because here comes gilman oh my god oh my god but hey horace is in the goddamn club too that's right 
Um, while they're dealing with that, they also realize, hey, Phoebe is just a tyke, so she fits the bill to be certain. Although, again, not sure what the implication of all of these little boys not realizing that they too fit the bill. Um, yeah. And <laughs> yeah, Eugene, Eugene be like, is she a virgin? Like, <laughs> well, yes, Eugene. Also. Yeah, you are too, but <laughs> you, you don't even know the word, pal. <laughs> um, and the German guy says that he's going to help um, Phoebe read phonetically. And in fact, is more accurate than uh, Patrick's sister because she has more uh, baggage being brought into it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's easier to learn a new language when you're when you're a little kid. Indeed. Uh, Horace, meanwhile, steals a gun, sees his bullies cowering in fear, refusing to let him in, and yeah, with yeah. no other options, he all he can do is blow away that goddamn gill man. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the the I, I would say the one like maybe less cool thing about Gilman is the ease with which he's taken out. Turns out, if you just shoot him, <laughs> regular gun. Yeah, yeah. The police could have handled that guy, but they all focused on the Wolfman. They didn't. They didn't. They they shot the shit out of the Wolfman and Dracula. <laughs> the Gill Man. They're like, mm, <laughs> he's got scales. To, That's gross. Let's just try to cuff him. <laughs> we don't know what's going to come out if we try to shoot him. He yeah. might have weird, stinky blood or something. <laughs> got xenomorph acid in him. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, but like, did we did we discuss the bully being being Jason Hervey? No, we but, did not. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jason Hervey is the bully. I just, I, I, I just, I, I love Jason Hervey. MVP, Hell yeah, MVP of the Wonder Years. He's and he's great in this. He's oh yeah, perfect love to hate him kind of kind of bully. Yeah, yeah. This kid picked on all of us in school. <laughs> this kid picked on me in school for sure. Yeah. EJ and Derek are suitably impressed by Horace killing this Gill man, even though they still call him Fat Kid. And Horace, of course, gets his uh, iconic line of "My name's Horace." Click. <laughs> uh, uh, again, like, 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 definitely a cool triumphant moment. Like, like. Well, a little dark, little yeah. dark. Yeah. <laughs> the reading is going well, but Dracula's attack has arrived too. Phoebe is scared, but persists as Dracula approaches and he dispatches cops with ease. Scary German guy tries his best, but is obviously quickly tossed aside as well. Uh, where Dracula grabs Phoebe and the amulet, famously terrifying the shit out of her for real when she didn't know about the fangs and red contacts. And it is a really great moment where, you know, we've seen him do the transformations and stuff, but this is the first kind of real display of his powers in this humanoid form. And for him to still have an effective moment, a, a, a moment where he looks scary and has this, these great effects, I think is, is important and fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a little thing, you know, like, I feel like there's, um, like might be a tendency, like again, if this movie was made today, to have Dracula turn into some like weird, horrifying monster at this point. Uh, but yeah, that, that I, I think this is the scariest moment for Dracula in this movie, and it's and it's and it's small, like yeah. it's like a really small thing. Like he he just has the little fangs, but like oh man, it's it's you're just like holding her up, holding her up like that, and 
and he and he curses at her. Yeah. And he's clearly really enjoying it. You know, he's a bad dude. And you can see him relishing the fear of this little girl. Now, Frank doesn't like the treatment of his friend like that. So he throws Dracula, who gets impaled on a metal fence, which gives Phoebe the time to finish the chant and summon the portal to limbo. Dracula grabs Sean to take him along into limbo, but Sean grabs a stake on the way, giving him time to get loose and Van Helsing to finish pulling Dracula into limbo from inside the portal. Great little triumphant moment for him to return as well. Sean gets to stab Dracula. (laughs) Totally. Thumbs up. T2 style fading into the lava. (laughs) Like, like he's been in limbo. I've been in limbo, but I, we still have TV there. So (laughs) Been watching it's all not, along. It's not that bad. Like, so I'm <laughs> I'm current. I'm current. <laughs> Unfortunately, Frank has to go too because he does not belong in this world. Phoebe is distraught, but throws him the stuffed animal to remember her by. Such a sweet moment. I'm really glad that they that they end on this like little family moment to kind of bring it all back. Um, I, I think it, it, it's just great. And and like you say, Phoebe has kind of been the emotional core. Uh, mm-hmm. This whole way, and I think that this is 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 a it's a good thing to go out feeling good, and not thinking about these kids murdering a bunch of guys. Yeah, and Phoebe making making a really adult decision. I feel like at the end, like like it's silly. She's like she's like been car- she'd be carrying this little dog around the entire movie, right? Like mm-hmm. like I feel like you almost never see her without it. Yeah, it's it's really great. And the army shows up just as everyone celebrates, responding to Eugene's letter. And the monster squad is just the fellows to tell him what the Sam Hill is going on around here. <laughs> Rap outro to summarize. We love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course, the army really responds. Like it's it's the la- it's the last like la- last like strike of the kid logic. Yeah, like. Again, it made perfect sense. It made perfect sense to me as a kid growing up. I was like, yeah, if you wrote a letter to the army <laughs> and you were serious and you were like, there are monsters, please come. <laughs> like, why would they not respond to that? Why would they not respond to like, they'd show up with tanks, tanks and shit and jeeps. Just like, like a whole, the whole army shows up. Yeah. Like led by this one dude, this one old sergeant with a mustache. <laughs> Uh, and they really lean into it too because when he shows up he takes eugene seriously still when he's like which one of yeah. you is eugene they're like all right son where are they where are the monsters yeah. <laughs> like this little kid <laughs> this little kid with a beagle and a striped shirt and a little little civil war cap <laughs> like oh man this like kid from if someone drew a drew a cartoon picture of a cute little scamp <laughs> like That's the only him. thing Eugene's missing is is a slingshot sticking out of his back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> so true, so true. Um, and now, Andrew, we've reached the point of the episode where we sum up why this is not just a good horror movie, but is in fact the best horror movie ever made. I'm going to let you start things off. I mean, like first things first it's like like just in the practical sense this is one-stop shopping for monster movies i mean uh dracula's in it frankenstein's in it the werewolf's in it gilman's in it there's mummy uh there's three other uh three uh at least like four other you know bride dracula vampire uh oh, there's yeah. uh 
a bunch of zombies in the beginning of the film. But but mostly and and you know, more seriously is uh you know like we've been kind of like laughing about some of the the sillier aspects of this film and like kind of refraining on the kid logic aspect of it, but um, uh, I mean I think this movie is incredibly self aware. You know, like I think that's all that's all by design. Like it wears all that uh, perfectly and beautifully. It works amazingly. It, as uh, I've I've said this over and over again, but as a child. Uh, this movie worked for me on a completely different level. Like this, uh, this movie felt to me the same way that like, you know, aliens did. Like when I was only a little bit older, you know, I graduated stuff like, like aliens and predator and commando and shit like that. And like, I, and, and those movies all made me feel the same way. You know, this didn't seem like, like a silly fun comedy to me growing up watching but but yeah in so many ways like it it really does work as a horror film it really does work as a comedy and it, and it's and it has a lot of like actual like sweet like, like emotional moments in it that are are really true and honest and really work so so like it, it's it's fun to like watch it and laugh at it but it's also it, it's good man this, yeah. this is a legit good movie i totally agree to me this is the best horror movie ever made because there is a time capsule element of it in that, first of all, the makeup effects and the practical elements of this movie would not be the same, even just a few years later. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it was made in the late eighties, where these practical effects were so advanced and being revolutionized by people who were working on this very movie, that is so beautiful to me and, and such an interesting thing to come to this movie and, and look at it through that lens. But there is also a timelessness to it where I think that I am a little bit younger than this movie, but I am still very much able to see myself in the friends group. And I think that that would be the case for probably anybody. Mm -hmm. You know, the language may have changed. But the the dynamic between them is still very much at play, I think, a lot of times. And at its core, there is so much real friendship there. You know, the authenticity that we talked about is certainly helped by not just Shane Black being an incredible writer and Fred Decker as well, but also, you know, the two leads being actually best friends and, and things yeah. like that. Yeah, I you know I, I I didn't know that about the movie and like you know when I was watching it today, uh, I I was thinking that because the the chemistry between Patrick and Sean is it's it's so natural and real. Yeah, and, and I remember thinking, oh, I feel like like in the background of this, I feel like Sean and Patrick were already friends and like they know they know Horace because of the Monster Club, like they know Horace and Eugene because they also like monster magazines and universal monsters. But like Patrick and Sean really do feel like kids who were, were just friends anyway. They were already friends. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you have all of these elements at play to say nothing of the fact that it is funny. It is a very funny movie. There is so many great jokes in here. So many lines that have held up through the years. You know, the the horror moments are fantastic. They are present. There are moments that do creep me out a little bit. You know, I said that the the moment where you hear the noise behind them on the plane and they've been talking about how it's like a funerary plane. That's a great little thing. 
It is. It's it's just so much fun. It it, it is filled with joie de vivre, <laughs> and and for that, it is the best horror movie ever made. Andrew, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show, man. This was an absolute blast. Please tell people if you have any plugs, any shows that you might be doing, social media stuff, all that jazz. Oh yeah, I mean, thank you so much for having me, George. This is it is a you know tremendous good time to do it. Um, to be to be completely honest with you, you know, I, I was nervous about it because I haven't done anything since the uh, uh, since the the pandemic started. You know, as far as you know, comedy and acting and all that, like like I've been I've been pretty I've honestly been pretty idle. Like you know, I've been a uh, Know, taking taking time for other stuff, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, this so this is the first thing. This is the first thing I've done. My unretirement from from being funny on purpose. <laughs> well, I'm glad to do it. Wow, taking the jersey off the rafters, mm-hmm. <laughs> dude. I'm coming back. I'm back. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, uh, yeah. So, do you have a, a social channel or anything that people can uh, can check out? Oh yeah, I mean, I'm I'm on I'm on Instagram. That, that's that's the uh, the social media platform that I. Uh, that I, that I enjoy the most, uh, that I engage with the most, um, uh, you know, at Andrew J. Stanton. Perfect. Easy enough. Check him out there. As far as my plugs, you can check me out at Little Horror PHL. That applies pretty much everywhere. But similar to Andrew, I also have a preferred social media platform. But for me, it's Twitter. So mostly you can find me on Twitter. There's also a Patreon if you're enjoying the show, where for just a few bucks a month, you can get all kinds of bonus episodes, including uh, October's uh, Patreon episode was I had some Simpsons super fans on to rank our top five shorts from the first 10 Treehouse of Horrors. Um, that was a lot of fun. And we might even be having uh, an extra Patreon episode this month featuring the Goose Buds coming on to talk about Goose Bumps, uh, the Jack Black one, which I thought was actually pretty fun. So <laughs> look forward to that. All kinds of good stuff. And rate and review if you're enjoying the show because it really helps. All right. Thanks again, Andrew. Bye, everyone.